0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information from the water cooler. You are now tuned in to Zero Dark Nerd. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another amazing episode of Zero Dark Nerdy, the world's most notorious pop culture podcast. The filthiest of the filthy! This is your boy Brian, a.k.a. El Nino. And today, we have a very, very special guest in the building celebrating the 50-year anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Before we get into that, we got a very special word from our sponsor... The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action and bet online is where you can find it from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures bet online has all the latest odds news and information for all your sport betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. So again ladies and gentlemen, we do have a very special guest in the so building again without any further ado to Mike TV himself from the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Paris. Them in in
1: the building.
0: Well Paris, again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. How's everything going on your end?
1: Uh, Good. A little early uh, today. It's 7.09 a.m. I started at 6.20 out here in L.A., so a little bleary, but uh, none the worse for wear and tear.
0: (laughs) Well, we definitely appreciate it. I know know it's early as heck over there. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. So we are coming up now on the 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And Just got to ask you, I mean, you know, is it true what people say? Like, has time just truly, truly flown by? I mean, can you believe it's been 50 years?
1: Uh, you know, it's crazy that it's 50 years later and, and uh, this thing that I was in, we're still talking about for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but the other thing you said is more almost like a philosophical question. I mean, in terms of, you know, how we experience time. Right. Right. So in one sense, uh, if you frame it one way, you can remember a lot of everything that happened and it was a long, long road. And in another sense, it seems like it went by in a flash. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a, that if we do a metaphysical piece another time, we can talk about that.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Definitely, definitely for, for another time. So in, in regards to that, you know, time in your life, I mean, can you talk a little bit just about the audition process? I mean, I'm sure it was uh, probably crazy chaotic. I don't even remember looking up, you know, trying to figure out some, some data on it, how many kids auditioned, but do you remember how many kids auditioned just for your role as Mike TV and, and what was that process like for you?
1: Sure. So I didn't uh, I wasn't there when every other kid auditioned, but I do have a sense of it, uh, both from my own memory. And also uh, I talked to Mel Stewart, the director of the film later on. Mm -hmm. It was not a cattle call. It was not a big, crazy, chaotic situation. Uh, You know, I don't even remember seeing other kids in the waiting room uh, often because I did a lot of commercials and stuff before I did this. Mm -hmm. You walk into a room it's a you know especially with kids that are you know under 11 like i was 11 when i did this but i started when i was 6 so okay. you can imagine uh the the cacophony of uh, although now meanwhile these kids are sort of sort of trained to behave and and you know just chill and wait in the waiting room, but inevitably they're kids, you know, so there's a whole, there's a whole lot of chatter going on, but this wasn't that at all. Um, No, uh, in the room, certainly it was just me and and Mel and maybe uh, one or two other people. And uh, we read from the book um, because they didn't have a script yet. And um, uh, they thought about casting me as Charlie, but didn't. And, um, uh, you know, I read for Charlie, but uh, yeah, I guess they just figured I was, I was better as, as Mike TV. Uh, I was a little younger, also I was eleven, and uh the guy who played Charlie Peter Ostrom hmm. was thirteen, and okay. uh most of the other kids were were a couple years older than me, so yeah, no, I was a sort of a little one it 's almost like uh you know in a disney movie they 'll always have like a a bunch of ducks trailing the mom or whatever, and they always have that last <laughs> one you know? uh-huh. that was uh-huh. nice.
0: <laughs> got you got you no that's that 's excellent so in regards to the movie coming out, uh, you know, phenomenon, and, and of course, we've seen that it's standard, you know, it's definitely stood the test of time throughout all these years. Like, how drastically did your, did your life change after that uh, process just of being in the movie and and how well received it was just, you know, not just nationally, but globally?
1: Uh, it absolutely changed my life, uh, but not immediately. Uh, it was not hugely popular until maybe it started to really gather steam about 15 years later. So if we made it in 71, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not 15, 10 to 15 years later, uh, early eighties, somewhere around there, they started showing it on TV once a year. And, uh, that was the only way you could see it. Uh, maybe even late seventies, you know, right before, uh, DVD, I'm sorry, video, uh, VHS. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know zero dark nerdy i know you guys are film nerds so uh, yeah i mean in the sort of in the scheme of things you know there was, there eventually was vhs and uh then it became very popular because of that because it was very rented it was rented all the time mm-hmm. and it grew you could you know trace the arc since then it's pretty much just gone up and up and up you know and uh, but right before that VHS moment was was this time when they would show it on TV once a year mm. and but but in between 71 and let's say i don't know 80 or 78 something like that mm. it it really wasn't that popular so yeah. you know when i was the most recognizable as my character um those were not years where I was getting recognized that much. Right. By the time I was getting recognized it was already like, oh, you were that guy but now I have to su- I have to subtract x number of years from your face. <laughs> and uh when I was doing Comic-Cons and that kind of stuff, that mm-hmm. number was, you know, 30 years. I have to subtract 30 years from your face. You right. Know? So, uh was never a phenomenon where I was getting stopped on the street a lot. Um from time to time, um uh People with photographic memories, sure. uh, visual artists, mm. uh, people who'd seen the movie a million times. And, you know, they're out there for sure. There are a lot of people that have actually seen it yeah. uh, more than I have, which is dozens of times. Sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it, it happened, but not in the way that you're thinking about it, like maybe a, uh, uh, you know, Macaulay Culkin would have experienced or something.
0: Gotcha. Okay, okay. So it's more of the after effect, and then, like you said, with the, the yearly showing, and then of course VHS changed the game for, for a lot of things, uh, you sure. know, especially when it came to whether watching it at school or, you know, being able to rewatch it at home. And it is one of those things to where I do remember, you know, whether watching it at school or at home, it's like, all right, well, Willy Wonka's on, we're going to watch it.
1: <laughs> so you know, I haven't uh, talked about that in the last. You know, I've been doing a lot of press for uh, for the 4K DVD release um, mm-hmm. from Warner Brothers, and uh, Nobody's brought up school, but I absolutely from fans have heard that a lot. Oh, yes, I heard you know, in second grade or whenever we had a weather day, is that what yeah. you just said? Yeah, uh, we'd show it uh, in school. So, uh, I think that's another way that it reached a lot of people. And of course, you know, anytime you're showing a movie to people uh, during their developmental stage, right, uh, it's going to go that much deeper into their lizard brain, you know. <laughs> so, uh, the people that love it really love it uh, for that reason because they have a lot of. Uh, You know, I mean, there's a lot to love about it, but also uh, because they, they saw it young.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I mean, when you're when you're younger, you know, obviously going back to those memories, you're thinking of a, a much better time. Even if you came up struggling, uh, if you came up rich or whatever, you know, some of our, fi- our fondest memories come from our childhood, and a lot of that has to do with you know some of the movies and shows we watched. Hence, uh, Willy Wonka. And it's unfortunate too because kids nowadays kids nowadays will not appreciate how awesome it was to see the teacher roll in the television with the VCR knowing that it wasn't going to be any homework or anything that day. It was going to be a movie, and if it was Willy Wonka, then fantastic. The whole class went crazy. So, And, uh,
1: (laughs) you know, good point uh, in the sense that I think people focus a lot on, um, uh, you know, the bad bad kids, whatever we could talk about, whether it's the kids or the parents and so forth. But for lack of a better term, the the brats, the bad kids, uh, getting their comeuppance. But uh, it's also very much a story about a kid who has nothing uh, making good. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about people struggling with poverty and that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, there's also the, the, you know, uh, it's easy to, to latch to um, the, uh, the cynicism, which is absolutely there in the film. I mean, Raul Dahl, right. Yeah. And the director and, and Jean and everybody, they were, they were absolutely bringing that stuff out because, um, first of all, it's something there for the adults and, um, also, uh. You know, Mel was very much trying not to talk down to the child audience. You know, that was his approach. Right. And I think that that's part of what made it very um, uh, lasting, long lasting. But uh, also, yeah, there's this whole other thing which is happening, which is, uh, you know, it, it can it can happen to anybody. Lightning can strike and uh, you can uh, no, nobody's uh, no, anybody can be anything uh, depending on, on, I guess, uh, their dedication and the breaks.
0: Yeah. No, I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, that, that sense of a golden ticket still resonates today, where it, if you do come from nothing, there is that chance out there. Even if it's a slim chance that, you know, one day that we could all make it and get out. I think that was definitely I mean, myself growing up in a in a low-income household. That was, you know, always the idea, whether if it was lotto tickets, whatever it may be. And then, uh, you know, fortunately, I had great parents that worked their way out of it, and they had raised us to nothing in life's going to be free. You got to, you know, obviously work hard for it. And if you do end up getting a golden ticket in the meantime, Hey, great. Embrace it. Just remember where you come from.
1: So, uh, you know, I have to say, I heard it in your voice (laughs) when you, when you, when you, when you talked about it the first time, I was like, this guy, this guy understands what he's talking about. And I guess like, as I said, I did a bunch of interviews. We never talked about this, but Uh uh, as you, as you were talking, I was like, you know, this is part of it. This is part of why this film is, is, uh, Um, long lasting, I almost said transcendent, but you know, it's long lasting. And that's, that's another reason is because, um, you know, that kind of optimism exists in us, fortunately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, and it should, it should, because, uh, good things do happen to good people sometimes.
0: I I completely agree. Completely agree. You, you mentioned this earlier in regards to comic cons now with, uh, the, at least the U S opening back up a little bit and comic cons getting back on the schedule is that something that you're still into as far as the comic con circuit or is that something that you've kind of just you know put on the back burner
1: well ironically i mean you know with the pandemic uh uh for for years we have been knowing that the 50th was coming and we had always uh, and we uh, when i say we i'm talking about uh one of the wonka kids has passed that's uh, denise nickerson uh who played violet Beauregard. Mm. um One of us is uh, in Munich, Germany. That's still, by the way, in Munich, Germany. uh, That's Augustus Gloop, uh, played by Michael Bullner. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other three of us are Americans. Uh, Sorry, uh, the other three of us are uh, myself and Julie, who played Veruca, who's Mm -hmm. British, and uh, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie. And he's a large animal veterinarian in upstate New York. Okay. And, uh, you know, of the five of us, we three, uh, probably more me and then a little bit uh, uh, less than that, Julie, and then maybe a bit of a drop down to you get to, to Peter, who's pretty busy being a, a veterinarian, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, have done a lot of Comic-Cons over, over the years. And um, we thought that this was going to be a big year for us, right? We were sure. going to have some really uh, big, juicy offers because it's the 50th and so forth. But meanwhile... I mean, this is, you know, everyone's story, right? Uh, yeah. uh, the pandemic hit. And so, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe we'll do something like, uh, wow, go see the Wonka Kids for the 51st anniversary of Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, what? Right. What? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I see. Yeah, I guess so. You know.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
1: That
0: dang pandemic, man, ruining, ruining the fun stuff for a lot of people.
1: For, uh, for people in ways that are much more serious and real than what I just described. True. Right? Let's true. face it. right? It, so it I just true. want to make sure I don't sound, uh, you know, a feat when I say that. Uh, but no. that's how that's I mean, other than, you know, sitting in my house for a year uh, right. uh, from a pro- professional standpoint, that's how it affected me. It coincided exactly with our 50th and uh, and too bad. But, you know, we're getting to talk over the Zoom and the Zoom, the Zoom. We're getting to talk over the Zoom. Yeah. And uh, that's nice as well.
0: That's true. That's true. So, uh, one of the questions from one of the fans uh, uh, from Zero Dark Nerdy wants to know if you could live off, if you could have a candy that you could live off of for the rest of your life, what would that be?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm not living on candy these days. Uh, you know, I'm a little smarter than that, to tell you the truth. Right, right. Uh, this, uh, you know, that's not, but I suppose that's not really, I, this is sort of another way of saying what's your favorite candy, right? But mm-hmm. so my favorite candy, uh, I mean, I really like the high-end stuff, of course, the, the, the Godiva's and things like that. If you taste a really nice piece of, uh, you know, craft chocolate, I mean, that's I, I can taste the quality there. But in terms of the stuff with the label on it, uh, I like Toblerone, which okay. is, uh, I want to say they're Swiss. It's from the Tobler factory in Europe, definitely. Mm. Um, and it's a triangular uh, box, and you break them off, and it finishes with a nice little um, a nougat, sort of honey nougat thing uh i actually uh got i was gonna say i got hooked on those uh, in munich when i was making the movie and uh so that's still my favorite candy
0: okay i, I haven't seen toe in a minute yeah i remember them being in those triangular boxes yeah you know where you can get i mean i'm i know you can get them i'm just trying to think about where, when's the last time i saw one though because those are good those are real
1: good. yeah i haven't you know i'm kind of uh, exercising and dieting a lot these days just because i'm trying to you know trying to stay alive same like all of us. I'm 62 now. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my focus is on trying to maximize my health if I can. But, uh, but you know, from time to time, I'll grab a piece of chocolate and that's, that's the one that I like.
0: Okay, All right, excellent. And then just kind of in regards to uh, to pop culture, like what are some things, whether if it's uh, you know intellectual properties, movies, music, TV shows that you're just you know really, really kind of just super into, whether recently or even maybe some things that you grew up on that you love them, but maybe not so much now.
1: Sure, um, you know I like to think of myself. You mentioned all the travel; I've I've been to sixty two countries around the world, so uh, on six Ooh. continents. So I've I've tried to expose myself to art and to music and to uh, certainly to film. I mean, you know, because I'm talking to people about film all the time. I and also just because I love it, you know. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think some of the things that I love that Mike TV would have loved are uh, Breaking Bad, uh, The Wire. Um, uh, you know, as I say those titles, they're kind of the things that everybody says. The Sopranos, you know, I mean, right. these things ushered in the golden age of TV, right? Yeah. Um, uh, lately, I've been watching uh, Money Heist. Uh, I've actually been watching The Kaminsky Method, uh, Hacks. I'm trying to give you stuff that is a little bit more recent. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite films are like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um probably Casablanca, anything Bogart. I used to love Bogart. I used to love, when I was a kid, my two favorite actors. Well, I'll give you three. Uh, Humphrey Bogart, Laurence Olivier, and Bugs Bunny, who I think gotcha. is, is one of our greatest actors also. Um, and I guess, in a way, I'm also saying Mel Blanc and, and all of the great animators over there. Hey, that's a Warner Brothers property, I just realized. <laughs> I just a Warner Brothers, who's, uh, who's brought us together here. But, uh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, in terms of music, uh, you know... Um, a lot of rock and roll, a lot of uh, what they call AAA, adult album alternative, uh, mm-hmm. female singer-songwriters. You know, I don't want to just list a bunch of names for sure. you. But, uh, you know, I try to keep up.
0: Okay, excellent. That's a good list. I mean, you got Breaking Bad on there, and then yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's a excellent list. I myself am an old soul. Yes, I like some of the new stuff. I just turned forty this year, but I grew up with a dad that grew up in you know his version of the Golden Age of Television. So the monsters, the honeymooners, I love Lucy, all the stuff that he was watching at Nick at Night when he was a kid. Well, I know there wasn't Nick at Night then, but I was watching that as a kid. So my daughter, who is now about to be twenty, she's also a fan of Adam's Family, Monsters, like some of the classic things like that and she's also a film student so she has a great appreciation for classic films like I do more than, than most 20 year olds you know
1: when you go to comic cons uh, as I have done uh, mm-hmm. you sit next to people and that's half the fun is yeah. who are you going to be sitting next to but uh, Eddie Munster comes to comes to mind uh, uh, he was out there a lot and um, you know the Lost in Space crew uh, they were out there a lot as well Um Actually, Judy was particularly nice. I'm trying to remember her, the, the actress's name. But I used to sit next to her a lot. She was a real sweetheart, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to sit next to some of the people that, that you're talking about. A lot of people from the era of, let's say, the honeymoons, they're just not here anymore. But right, uh, you know, when I was starting to do comic cons, I was I was catching some of the, uh, you know, some of the people that were still around from uh, from let's call it the first golden age of TV.
0: Sure. Sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know we're running out of time here, Paris. And again, I really appreciate it. What, uh, you know, as far as do you have any upcoming projects, I know you said the Comic-Con thing is obviously a little bit on hold because we're still recovering from the pandemic, but do you have anything, you know, coming up that you want to announce to the fans out there? And also if, uh, you know, anybody wants to reach you, what's the best way to reach you, whether uh, in regards to social media or whatnot?
1: uh sure i mean if you just um i mean i know my social media addresses i have them down here somewhere uh, i'm pretty sure that uh twitter i'm on at paris Themin and um in uh, instagram or insta as they these days say <laughs> uh, i'm paris underscore Themen, and that's p-a-r-i-s-t-h-e-m-m-e-n so uh that's how people can find me and uh you know in terms of pitching stuff or, or mentioning plugging stuff uh, it's what I said. You know they've done a really good job on the on the uh, DVD on the 4K DVD. Uh, I've seen it, and um, they have uh, again outdone themselves, and it looks pretty amazing. Uh, as a film geek yourself, you'd probably enjoy seeing uh, the richness of the colors and the HD and all that. So uh, I do. That's what I've mentioned.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still one of those geeks that still buys Blu-rays and 4K and, and all that, because you never know when the Internet's going to go down. And I like to make sure I and I, I build up such a collection over the years, I might as well just hold on to it and maybe add to it. So I like to have my own little mini Blockbuster video in my house. So all right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to add, this, to add the, uh, the 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory to the uh, collection. So, Paris, thank you again so much for your time. I really do truly appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you soon.